Welcome to On The Point Podcast, a podcast for all things Overwatch with a heavy focus on League. And a cameo by the helicopters. <laughs> See, the more you point that out, the more obvious it becomes. If you just ignore it, it'll go away. I can't help it because when I'm trying to record an audiobook and I have to be like hyper aware of the sound because I need super clean audio for that... <laughs> It, this has become like a legitimate trigger for me, where it's just the fucking helicopter comes by and I get angry. I gotta get you a sound booth. Yeah, we're that's kind of a project we're planning on doing at some point in the near future. It'll be future CJ's problem. Yeah. Current CJ's problem is helicopters. Yes. <laughs> but we're here to discuss roster moves, weekly matchups. And the longest game of Overwatch known to man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. That that was the point where I started regretting the fact that Blizzard Arena does not sell alcohol. Yeah. I was there for that. It was the end of the day. It was Easter. And it was just, I. you can probably at some point hear me and several other people going, mm. why? Why? <laughs> just. Yeah, and there's nothing um, wrong with either of the teams that played. They both played really well. It just really wouldn't well. stop. It was the match that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Ah! She was there for it, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, I was. So I couldn't just, like, walk away. Well, I could walk away and do other things if I wanted to, but some of us like to stay till the bitter end. You're committed. And see Dogman get a bowl cut on Watchpoint. Um, anyway, I'm Katie. I'm the support main. I'm CJ, and I'm fucking made of sweat right now. You are the main tank. You, you're not good at this role thing, are you? No. Hmm. Try for me. <laughs> No. That look says no. That look says no. <laughs> I, I, I I have a lot of stuff to do, and I'm busy, and it's just a lot. <laughs> Too busy to try. Okay. Okay, I understand. All right. Anyway. Anyway, neither of us are going to commit to this bit, so let's move on. We have last Sandbagging week's results. Sandbagging the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. That's yeah. not even a no and. That's just a no. I just sandbagged, I sandbagged harder than the fucking NYXL in stage four. <sighs> God, how about the NYXL on Friday? Yeah. Uh, no, that was a choke. Regardless, mm -hmm. that is not the performance we expected from these no, guys. No, but uh, anyway... Let's uh, talk about Thursday first. Yeah, Thursday first, NYXL versus Fusion. A little more in line with what was uh, expected. NYXL gets the 3-1 win, uh, and we both picked XL. Uh, because it's usually kind of a gimme, depending on who they're facing. Like, yeah. oh, it's NYXL against anyone that's not the Shock or the Titans? Probably NYXL. Yeah. Well, the Gladiators uh, and Soul are getting up there, too. Yeah, no, a lot of teams have been having a very good stage. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like this week really kind of solidified the patterns that we're seeing. Um, San Francisco Shock with a 4-0 over Toronto Defiant. Look we how both surprised shocked. we're not. Uh, next match, <clears throat> Florida Mayhem versus the Los Angeles Gladiators. We both picked Gladiators, and they deliver with the 3-1 win. I'm kind of surprised that Florida took that first map. Honestly, they're looking better bit by bit. Like, their team co their team coordination is getting there. And I feel like Swan especially has been showing up a little bit more. Like That's good. The Right now in the current iteration of the Mayhem, the tank line's kind of the weakest part. And Zephyr is still inconsistent, but I felt pretty good about how Swan performed this week. Okay. Uh, well, last week more than this week, but I think he did fairly well in the uh, the Gladiators match. 
uh, dragons, they stumbled a little bit more. But I still think he had his moments. Yeah. Um, Up next, Vancouver Titans over the Dallas Fuel 4-0. We both picked uh, Vancouver for that. Um, And that's Thursday. Friday is kind of where we enter the negative zone a little bit. Friday was a lot of staring into the void, I think. Yeah, um... New York XL has their winning streak in regular season play uh, snapped. They are no longer undefeated. They are 12-1 and one as the Atlanta Reign spanked them 3-1. Like, those I first... don't know how this happened. Honestly, like, part of it was the, the New York... It comes down to a few things, which is one, Atlanta were playing way more cohesively than they have been recently. They just looked like a much better team than they were last week or the week before they and had their shit together they lost to the valiant and nobody wants to do that this yeah. stage so it's like we're not doing that again i don't care who we're yeah. up against next we prep yeah they were on the same page they looked good and honestly i feel like nyxl kind of played a little differently than normal as well normally the nyxl and this is something that has been a consistent for them is they play a very reactionary style of they I, I'm, I'm sorry. Momentarily I'm distracted. Does your cat go in the cabinet often? She opens the cabinet to go <laughs> into it. Okay, I don't feel so bad because Winter has figured out how to open my closet doors and I cannot for the life of me get her yeah. to stop. Yeah. So I feel better and also, okay, I'm not seeing things. No, no, that happens. Anyway, um, NYXL. <laughs> NYXL played things a bit differently than normal. Like their general approach last season and this season as well is they play reactionary. They kind of take longer neutral fights. They let the other team be aggressive, kite back, sort of play the fight out until someone makes a mistake, and then they go in really hard. They were pushing a lot more strongly from the word go, and I feel like it's just not something they were really used to. Yeah. And I will say a lot of it just comes down to them making these mistakes, kind of overextending and pushing into fights in a way that's different from their usual and I don't think they were comfortable with. But Atlanta Rain also just, like, they're... Pulled it together. They really pulled it together, and I want to give them a shout-out because in there were a bunch of fights that they realistically should have lost, and then someone just came up big. Like, they had that... They, they were, like, full-on clutching in a lot of situations. Like, they were just firing on all cylinders and New York wasn't. I've seen people after last week and this week, the uh, going joke is that the Atlanta Reign are streak breakers. They broke Valiant's losing streak, they broke Excelsior's winning Mm -hmm. streak, and then they broke Charge's losing streak. Yeah. And I'm just like, what are you doing? I don't know. It's definitely not the same team that we saw last stage, and I know it's so easy to be like, well, Dufresne left. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but as we've discussed with the Valiant, one person can upset the balance of a team, but it's not make or break. It's multiple factors. And we've seen that the rain can perform because they beat NYXL. Yeah, and they performed well and made it to playoffs last stage as well. Yeah. Like, the thing is, I think it's a combination of Dufresne leaving, so you need to bring in Baby Bay who Mm -hmm. needs to become incorporated into the team. And really, I don't think Shock were scrimming with him much. I would be surprised to hear that he got a lot of prep time. Well, that's also why Sleepy got traded. Well, yeah, you have to prepare him 
for the metagame. You have to incorporate him into the team. And he's also not really known for playing the Zarya, so yeah. it took him time to acclimate to that. They had FRD in, or Fried in, over uh, Daco for a bunch of it, and they had to incorporate, again, another new player into the team and into their existing structure. And I feel like now they've kind of worked out most of the kinks, and we'll see them start to really refine their strategy, their comms, and we'll start to see them get to the place we kind of expected them to be coming into this stage. So they might be more of a stage three team, because we've got a whole Mm -hmm. two weeks left in this stage, and this coming weekend is an abbreviated one. Yeah, I I don't think that they'll necessarily... um, I don't think they'll really... I think they'll perform well in the rest of the stage, but I feel like at this point getting into playoffs is kind of a... Probably not going to happen. Yeah, they could clinch it, but there's a lot of people that will be sitting at that 4-3 mark. Yeah. Um, Anyway, up next, Houston Outlaws versus Philadelphia Fusion. And I honestly, we both picked Outlaws, and I genuinely don't know what I was thinking. I have hope. I genuinely... I have been critical of the Outlaws on this podcast many a time before. Yes, I'm aware. Um, and I from the Dallas fan. <laughs> yeah, I know but, that's not why. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any disdain for them, and in fact, I like a lot of their players quite a bit. I'm just so constantly disappointed that it's almost hard not to be a little bit bitter. I have to wonder if because we've got a four zero here and a three zero da- further down. Yeah, and I just I have to wonder like how much of this is players, how much of this is coaching decision, because you see moments where they're really solid, and then it's like, well, let's switch back to GOATs. And it's like, stop that. Stop it. Well, We're not in a GOATs-only mm-hmm. meta anymore. And I realize it's still a going meta, but I don't think they're playing to their strengths when they switch to GOATs. I don't, and I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just, you have to play GOATs on this map. Because we've seen that's not the there, case. Well, the thing is, it's not necessarily the case, but... On a lot of maps, goats is going to be the ideal composition. Like basically, you can you can do other things, but on paper, goats is the one that's going to have the most um, the that's going to be the best for you. The thing is, Houston has struggled on goats. Yeah. Um, and the sun is slightly warm. Yeah, they've constantly had trouble with Brigida play. Like, Arhan, I think, is a little better at it than Jake, but with Jake not there, their communications are very clearly yeah. lacking. And they really looked, noticed that and they on looked, Sunday. They, honestly, both of these games, they looked like they couldn't find their ass with both hands in a map. Because this was the same team that last week took that first map off Vancouver like it was nothing. Yeah, and the thing is, they still look really good on that one point of Busan, especially. Yeah. On the Shrine. Like, they... They have that worked out real well. They know what they're doing. Um, but I'll be real. They just don't look like they're in the same place. Cool Matt isn't where he needs to be a lot of the times. I don't think... Mumus Reinhardt, and I know that this is kind of sacrilegious because he is one of the better tanks in NA. His Reinhardt has never impressed me, and it continues to not do so. I mean, but you're putting him up against Roar and Bumper and... Well, yeah. I, is, is it... Gushway. Gushway. And a number of other t- tank players who are just better on Reinhardt. Yeah. Being a good tank doesn't mean that you're good at all the tanks. They mm-hmm. all play very differently. Oh, no, and that's true. But the thing is, at, at a certain point, you need to be good with this hero, especially in this metagame. Oh, yeah. Where he'll be played a lot. His Winston is incredible. His Arisa's really good. Yeah. His uh, Hammond is really good. But his Reinhardt play 
is lacking to me. And I don't know whether it's like, it was something that I really started to hone in on first during the world cup, uh, this past year. Um, back before we knew just how domineering goats would be and how much we would all come to just goats again. Whatever. <laughs> I just, I, I this can't This is even. the argument that will never die. I, I don't give a shit. Like I'm, I'm over it. Uh, but, uh, there were a lot of times, especially in the UK match, where it was like there were plays that he were do he was doing that seemed very questionable to me, like times where he shouldn't have charged or he pushed too far or like stayed too far back in a fight, like that did like it was neutral and he didn't really like commit, and it was just like, and again, I'm saying this as someone who is mid diamond. Obviously, I think that he probably knows how to play. Better than I do, because otherwise... Because he's the pro. Yeah, because he's top 500 on more than one account, and he's a professional, and he has professional fucking coaching staff and that. But it just doesn't seem to click for whatever reason. Um, and Raucus has looked a lot better than he did. Like, he's been steadily improving. Like, he was kind of an albatross around this team's neck a lot, because Ouch. of how frequently he got... Ouch. I'm not, I like, I'm not pulling punches. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, ouch. (laughs) It's true. Like, whether it was him getting overly aggressive and getting picked or his positioning being wrong, on Zen especially, he just seemed to die first so frequently. And when your Zen dies first in goats. Yeah. Zen's one of the really, like, they're all really critical parts of it. But Zen's one of those ones that's really make or break. Like, if you lose your Zen, you're... That fight's real hard to win. You need to keep your Z's alive. Yeah. Um, But he's been looking better. But I feel like the compositions they're running either don't suit what their enemy is playing. Because the amount of time they spent playing Moira with Ding on the Farah in the Mm, the Shanghai match. I have no idea why they didn't switch He was completely uncontested. I know! Oh, believe me, I know. I, I have no idea why we didn't switch someone to hit scan and just... Well, they well, you, on City Center, you had Dante on the Soldier, but he just didn't do anything. Yeah. He, there was very little value. But anyway, I'm not going to go into specifics too much on this. Too late. But it's just like, <laughs> well, yeah, but the, that's the Shanghai match, and we'll talk about that later. But the thing that's frustrating and the thing that I think that makes Houston Outlaws struggle, one thing I want to draw attention to is I feel like they got hit by, like, the corporate shuffle going on with Optic Gaming. I think you're right. Like, losing some people, uh, the company downsized a bit after they got... I think it, they were put on... They, they're under new ownership. Um, and I think, like, Flame, even on the... When he was on a vast stream or Watchpoint or something, made a comment about how they were understaffed. And I feel like it shows. Like, they're definitely... Not quite as refined, but I think the other thing that's difficult is that basically when you're approaching preparing as a team and developing your strategies and all that, there are a couple ways that you can approach devising your team's strategic identity, which is one, you can try and play to the metagame the way that people like NYXL or like the Valiant um, tend to do where they will 
go in, they'll learn that strategy very well. And I say the Valiant Light because they really did that last season. Yeah. Um, and then the meta shift along with yeah. a number of other things caused some trouble. Yeah, but they learn that strategy, they play it really well, and they play that more often than not. So you can learn by playing the metagame and using a highly polished meta strategy with good coordination and good individual play to really carry the day. You can also go towards like the Chengdu and I think now Shanghai route of you look at what your team can do and go like, okay, well, what are the best strategies I can do to emphasize the individual strengths of my players and Basically, what can I do with these pieces that may not necessarily be the metagame, but it's what these things will be best at in unison. It's the fuck the meta, I do what I want strategy. And it, honestly, that's part of what's made Chengdu so much fun to watch. Even if they're not doing well in a match or in a stage, they're still just a blast every time they go up against someone. It's entertaining. The thing is, they have a very strong team identity. They know what they're going for. And I think that Outlaws is trying to be a team that studies the meta and plays the meta composition and does what what is, I would say, the um, correct uh, approach in the eyes of a lot of teams. Because basically, um, you you do kind of want to play the metagame, if at all possible, because it is the combination of characters or strategies or whatever that is most popular for a reason. It's strong, it is well-tested, it works out. And teams are generally going to try and be risk-averse. They don't want to, like, experiment too much because if you lose matches, you lose games and you lose money and you don't perform well. Yeah. Provided that you... Sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't, and some people are going to avoid that. And generally, I think going that meta approach of learning what works and playing it and doing everything you can to learn it and play it well um, is a good thing. Generally speaking, I think that that's kind of the the better approach to take. But it's not working for the outlaws. But it's not. Their players' strengths are not suited to it. And whether it's a difficulty with coaching or just the struggles that some people have in certain positions, I don't know what it is because it's a lot of things and which problem seems to be giving them difficulty seems to change by the day. But take a look at what they're winning consistently. They're putting up good performances on Busan because they're going with the DPS comps that they're enabled and and they have an opportunity to uh, really kind of just do their thing. They get to play their game. Well, and I know we're not at the second match yet, but that the Junkertown map against Shanghai, we put Linkser on Widow, had mm. no trouble with the first two points, switched off to Goats, and everything fell apart. Yeah, and I think the thing that you need to take away is that I don't think playing DPS means just insta-win or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, of course I'm not. I'm not saying that they shouldn't try to play Goats or try to improve and get better at it, but given the pieces that they have... Well, anytime you build a team, there are strengths and weaknesses to your players. Yeah. They will be good or bad at different things. And there is a limit to how good they can be on certain things. This is true if in all sports. Yeah, this is true in all sports. This is true in anything. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm not saying that outlaws have hit the ceiling, that they're as good as they can be, but if you keep running into an obstacle and you keep running into the same difficulty, you need to sort of change tack at some yeah. point. And Take th- the Chengdu strategy, yeah. do what you want, that suits your team better. Yeah. They did so well last season because they played them. They are better at DPS comps. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. say, like, they're a top 10 team, but they did better last season I mean, they're doing this season. They were a top 10 team last season, but that's because yeah. there were 12 of them. But... Oof. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think... I don't think that they should abandon goats or abandon trying to get good at it, because there are times where that's definitely ideal, and yeah. being able to play it is important. But at the same time, you need... You can see teams like Shanghai now, especially. Like, honestly, I think Shanghai's kind of become better Chengdu. <laughs> because they know what they're doing, they know what their game plan is, and they're utilizing the strengths of their roster very well. Will that necessarily let them beat teams like Vancouver or Shock or NYXL? Probably not. Because Who those knows? teams are crazy good. But then we saw because NYXL they're crazy fall good. to Atlanta. They're crazy good, and they're crazy good at the meta. Mm-hmm. And the weaknesses of DPS comps in a GOATS meta are fairly apparent in a lot of cases. Low but hit points. at this point, something needs to change because the formula is not working. And I wonder if they won't benefit from the two-week break between... Oh, I think they will. Yeah, because from what I'm seeing, and I, I voted on my All-Star picks a while ago, and I don't think mm-hmm. they've finalized a list yet, but... Ain't no one from any of my teams making that. Nobody. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that they need to experiment and they need to try to run some of the DPS comps more. Like, find out what works because clearly playing the metagame is something that hasn't quite clicked yet. Yeah. Um, there needs to be some rethinking there. And I heard, and I don't know if this is true because I didn't see a source on it, mm-hmm. but I heard that they don't have a hell of a lot of budget right now, mm-hmm. probably as a response, as a result of the corporate shuffle. So it's possible that they can't recruit or they can't afford to let their yeah. coach go and try to get a new one or whatever. Yeah. Like, there are some avenues that may not be open to them if that news about finances is true. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I don't know. Yeah, it could so. be true, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But in any event, I think they need to start looking to play to their team's strengths a little bit more. And if that comes in the form of using DPS, maybe that won't help you against the best teams in the league. But at the same time... It'll help you against everyone else. It'll Yeah, if you can play your game and play it well rather than play play a strategy that is, that might be more ideal but isn't as comfortable or polished um do the thing that you're yeah. better at it yeah. might well take you further again i, I look back at could. stage 1 chengdu taking vancouver to a map 5 yeah. and not breaking goats out until pretty much the very end yeah like it's doable yeah. It's possible. No one's quite pushed over that Vancouver hump yet, but well, un- bleh, words, a number of teams have gotten close. Yeah. Not all of them running goats. Yeah. So it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and it's just... They need to do something, because where they are right now, 
they can hardly get worse. Mm. Yeah. Like... And I love them. But it hurts. It does. And Speaking of loving them and hurting, we should move on to the Valiant. Yes. <laughs> uh, Valiant uh, get the predicted, by both of us, 3-1 win over Washington Justice. Can I just say, they scared the hell out of me on thir- on a... I think Thursday oh God, was when yeah. this news broke. Was No, Friday morning was when this yeah. news broke. By the way, Sleepy got recruited to the Justice. By the way, we're starting him. What? Yeah, and honestly, we'll, we'll talk about that more later. We but, will. That's yeah. a news item in and of itself. But the Justice yeah. definitely played better. Oh, yeah. Even with someone... It's an improvement. Hey, by the way, you've never played with our team before, but let's go. Well, I'm going to be real. Guido was one of their biggest weaknesses uh, on an individual level. And we'll talk about that more later, but I think it's good for the justice. Anyway, and that shows. was their team. That was their spirit day. Yeah. They were handing out little shields and everything. It was super cute. Uh, Hangzhou Spark beats out the Guangzhou Charge 3-2. Which is the best the Charge had done in a while up to that point. Yeah, honestly, both teams looked like they had improved quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Like, Spark especially seems to kind of be finding their footing now. Good. Uh, London Spitfire beats out Boston 4-0, and... I think, Neither of us were expecting yeah, that. Yeah, no, we both picked Boston. Because here's the thing. London Spitfire is very inconsistent. Either they look like a fucking mess, or they look like the best team in Overwatch. Well, when they were doing the best team in Overwatch bit, it got them the Stage 1 Championship. So yeah. I'm sure there's there's a banner hanging in the Blizzard Arena. Yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, we want to live up to this. Do it. Yeah, and honestly, they've been looking really good, really consistently. Yeah. Like, Gesture's been looking a little more stable on the Reinhardt. They've looked more comfortable in uh, GOATs. And I think when they're able to bring out the DPS, they look good on that, too. Honestly, yeah. they just look like they've settled into a groove, and them firing on all cylinders is a very scary thing. And we'll, yeah. you know, see how, see how that continues, because the London Spitfire are consistently inconsistent. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I'm Episode just, title right there. Consistently inconsistent. I was going to go with, um, fuck the meta, I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, up next, Shanghai Dragons over the Florida Mayhem, 3-1. We both picked Shanghai. Not surprising. Uh, Dallas Fuel versus Seoul Dynasty. We both picked Dallas, and Seoul gets the 4-0 win. See, I said I'd slept on Dallas, and the thing is I should have hit snooze. Yeah, well, yeah, with Vancouver, like, it was uh, a little more, that was what I kind of expected, though. They didn't do as well. Like, the thing about Dallas is, now, this is going to sound weird for a second, but I feel like one of the problems Houston has, Dallas has as well, which is they're a six-cylinder engine and only four of them are firing at any given Ooh. time. T- tell me I'm wrong. You know, I didn't watch this game. I was at a convention. <laughs> Um, so I can't honestly yeah. say. Uh, whereas with Houston, it's like two, maybe. But um, it's true. It's mean. It is. It's but mean. It is. But two cylinders will still get you off the freeway to a repair station. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, the thing is, Soul did a really good job of negating OG. They were on his ass. They were. He was not able to get much value at all. And the team didn't really pick up around him in a lot of cases. And sometimes, and I just feel like they have a roster that is absolutely capable where everyone can pop off. 
they have that strength. But they didn't. And that seems to be a problem for them. It was against Vancouver, and it was against Seoul. OG is getting pummeled, and they couldn't keep him up. And they just weren't able to really take the pressure off of him by applying it elsewhere. Um, I do wonder how much of that, like, Seoul got the 2-0, you know, lead. Eichenwald could have been a turning point, but Toby, Toby played the best game of Overwatch that he has since the start of the Overwatch League. Wow. He got... I did see the record setting. He took... Dallas got within inches of winning that. And every time they did, two or three people would suddenly go flying off the map. Toby was Johnny on the fucking spot with the boops. He, like, there were multiple fights that Soul should have lost and was losing, and then he just saves it. He, he ascended to, like, that, you know those times where, like, it's like Philadelphia Fusion is getting spanked, and then Carpe's just like, you know what, I'm not gonna miss. And he just hits... That fucking, he just goes Super Saiyan for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Toby had one of those moments. Well, and I saw the tweet from Captain Planet, and I Mm. believe it was, he set a map record for Eichenwald. And then match record for environmental kills. Yeah, nine, I believe. Yeah. And the next one up is, one person has eight, and then multiple people, I I think it might be Big Goose has eight, and then multiple people have seven. Yeah, and... He saved that, and I can only imagine how frustrating frustrating it is to be like, I think Dallas got just over one meter away from winning. Oh, wow. And Toby kept dicking them. And it's like... He did his job. He did. It. I can only imagine how um, frustrating that must be to have come that close and then repeatedly gotten fucked the same way over and over and over again and just felt like there's nothing you can do about it. It's like the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing well, over no, they and over tried, different They results. tried different approaches and they played, like, fairly carefully. To- like, I don't think it was necessarily <laughs> their mistakes. It was just Toby being broken. Yeah, it was... Okay. legit. Yeah. I-, I think Toby just played out of his mind. And when you have that moment, when you're already down 2-0... And you get stuffed that hard. It's disheartening. Yeah. Especially when it feels like, like me personally, like in team games where we have those things happen, I get mad. Like it's hard not to get mad or disheartened because it's just like, it just, it doesn't fucking work. We lose. All right. Great. We can't stop it. Awesome. Uh, And Dallas, they looked frustrated and defeated after that map. Well, yeah. See, this this is another instance where you look at a 4-0 and it doesn't tell anything near the whole story. Yeah. Though and I, I do make think... that argument for Valiant all the time, but yeah. it's very much the same here. Yeah, and I think Soul um, definitely were the better team on that day. There's no arguing that. Um, I think Dallas needs to really just sort of improve what they... They need to be a little better prepared to apply that pressure and keep OG alive in those cases because they were laser focusing him, and that I think was a was part of why uh, Titans beat out Fuel so hard as well. Is just they laser focused OG and the rest of the team couldn't really alleviate that pressure or apply it somewhere else, and he just gets rolled over, and then the rest of the team 
goes down with them. Goes down with them. So that might be something they need to work on in strategies and scrims and whatnot. Yeah. All right. Um, so up next, gladiators versus the Chengdu hunters. We both picked gladiators, and they uh, do just that. They do uh, well by us. Give us the three-one win. This was fun. It was a this good game. Was a fun, I got to listen to about half of it, and this was this was a fun one. Yeah, it's two teams with a lot of spirit, just going at it. Yeah. Uh, up next, Titans versus Boston. We both picked Titans, and Titans gets the four zero. See this? I was in the arena for these four matches because I had nothing to do on Easter. Yeah. I didn't want to be alone in the house. So mm-hmm. hey, let's let's go to the arena. Um, cheering for the Titans is fun because you know they're gonna win. And there's just, there's something to that. And I did make the bumper does what bumper wants sign. So if you saw that, that was me. Yes. Having a lot of fun. And then it wound up on the Overwatch League signs Twitter, which then wound up on screen on the stream and then got liked by the Titans official Twitter account. So it's like, oh, traction. Yeah. Cool. But this, this was a fun one to watch. I feel like it was even more fun just to be there, especially yeah. since the Boston fans were also in it to win it. Oh, for sure, but and they always are. Good match. I will say, I feel like Titans had a really good game plan, which is, I think, kind of how you beat the Uprising if you can manage it, which is just don't let Fusions play Overwatch. <laughs> and I mean, there there was more than one instance of, there's no way they're going to win this fight, and it's the last fight of the map, and they're, oh my god, how did they pull they, that out? Oh yeah, no, they are incredible at just coming up clutch. Oh, yeah. They have such ridiculous skill and coordination that you cannot fucking shake them at this point. Oh, yeah. As we, I, some of the people I was sitting next to were Rain fans, and, you know, we're, there was no one in there in Titans colors. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I saw two people all mm-hmm. day. So we're like, all right, this is the Houston cheering section. We're going to cheer for the Titans right now because yeah. there's no one here trying to figure out how to cheer for them, and then talking with the people next to me, and she she leans over and goes, if we root for the villain of the anime, does that make us villains too? And I'm like, don't think about it. That, don't think about it. It's, again, as someone who like <laughs> watched Runaway for so long, hearing them as like the villains of the anime, I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you speak of. Like, <laughs> Oh, I just thought it was hysterical. Yeah, and I'm like, I know. We're, we're cheering for them because Boston has a really loud section and we're sitting in their section oh, yeah, right I now know. and no one else is here for them. So we're yeah. picking up the slack in the same way that we're going to pick up slack for the spark when that happens because no one's here for them either and there are shock fans on both sides of the Oh, for sure. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not denying, I'm not decrying any of that. It's just one of those things of like, me personally, that's a, you stop talking now. (laughs) Whereas I'm just seeing he's been depicted, the Titans have been depicted as Thanos and as the Mm -hmm. Titans and Attack on Titans several times each. And I just find this hysterical. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's just like, vindication! And they're trying to cultivate, like, this bad boy image. And I'm like, none of you are bad boys. You're hysterical. I, it, I just You're love cute, that bu- and I want to squish your cheeks. I just love that Bumper talks shit with that embarrassed, like, oh, I'm saying something bad smile. <laughs> I've been naughty! Yeah, he... he <laughs> like, funny. That's the look on funny. his face. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, up next, Houston Outlaws versus Shanghai Dragons. This was the Outlaws worst performance since their game against the Valiant. Not taking a single point. We, we full held them, and then we couldn't take the single point afterwards, and that was just, ugh. 
We chanted just one tick at one point, and then oh, we I heard stopped it. when it became clear that that wasn't happening. They were just throwing ults out for, like Anubis especially, yeah. was they were throwing out ults for nothing. They didn't, they seemed to have a game plan, like, going into it, or at least I'd assume so, when you've gotten Blade up and you're closing in on Nano, or, you know, whatever. And it just goes out the window the second the fight starts, and I'm just like, dude. Yeah. And like I said, for that final match, they finally brought Linkser in. They had him on the Widow. They were playing to their mm-hmm. strengths, and they took care of the first two points of Junkertown like no big deal. And then they switched to Goats and got rolled. Mm-hmm. Um, I will mm-hmm. say, though, this is the map that I think also... The map. The match that also really proves what I'm... That I think vindicated me personally in me saying that Shanghai is better Chengdu. Because... Chengdu is chaos. Oh, yeah. I don't think Chengdu knows what Chengdu is doing most of the time. But that's okay, because Chengdu is definitely doing yeah. it. If they if they don't know what we're doing, we if we don't know what we're doing, they can't know. Uh, that is how you fight a telepath. Yeah. <laughs> Shanghai has... Their strategies, they're doing what Chengdu did and developing strategies that are tailored to the strength of their team and their players. Like... They're letting Ding go on to Farah and Junkrat. They are yeah. letting Young Jin go hit scan and then break out that dirty fucking Roadhog that he's got. Um, and it's working for them because they have built these strategies and they know how to execute them because they've, they're clearly well-practiced. Where I feel like Chengdu is like, we initiate a fight and then just capitalize on chaos. Shanghai has a plan. I think that's part of what makes Chengdu so much fun to watch. Yeah. Is that it's complete chaos. The audience isn't prepared for it. They're not prepared for it. And it's just so entertaining because it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And that's not really something that you get when the going meta is goats. Like, I mm-hmm. think DPS play lends itself a little bit more to that level of unpredictability. Yeah. Is the Widow going to make the shot? Is the tire going to land? Like, yeah. you don't get... The most we get with that is... Are we going to get in any good boops? Is the grav going to land? Is the bomb going to land? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not as much unpredictability in it, and that's part of what mm-hmm. makes this so entertaining. So Chengdu just being 100% unpredictable makes them this shining beacon of hilarity and yeah. entertainment in this desert of goats. Yeah, but here's the difficulty. People know how to beat what they're doing now. Yeah. That doesn't make them any yeah. less fun to watch. Yeah. I just, I they have built a ceiling for themselves. Oh, yeah. But I, I will still adore them just because they're fun. They're a fucking blast. Yeah. Uh, up next, Hangzhou Spark versus the San Francisco Shock. We both picked Shock, and Shock gets the 4-0 win. Look how surprised we are not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I, did, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I picked Dragons. You picked Outlaws on the last map. Yeah. Uh, and then Atlanta versus Guangzhou, a.k.a. the match that wouldn't end. Jesus Christ. We both thought Atlanta would win. But Charge really uh, completed their kind of upward trajectory of getting better by increments over the last week or two. And uh, they got a win. The best summary that I saw of this game, especially the middle two maps, is that these teams, when they play well, are very accustomed to taking things very quickly. But a lot of short sprints equals a marathon. And like, that's, you're right. It was a lot of quick two-point takes and they mm. just kept stacking. The, def- the defenses just kept collapsing instantly. 
And it's just like, oh my god, why? Why? To the point where I, I love Captain Planet. I love his stuff. The help, I'm trapped in a dojo. Yeah. This has been the longest on Hanamura. <laughs> help, now I'm trapped in the UK. To the point where I flipped one of my signs over and wrote, help, I'm trapped in the Blizzard Arena. Sadly, it was illegible from stream, but at that point, there were like 20 people left in the arena, and we were all feeling. And most of them were Atlanta fans. Almost everyone was gone already at that point. There were never that many people to begin with. Yeah. Because Easter. Yeah. But most of the people who were left were Atlanta fans, and then the rest of us were just stubborn and I feel bad for Guangzhou having no one there to be a dedicated yeah, cheer Yeah, they're for them. one of those teams that I feel like just hasn't found their fan base in at least the Blizzard Arena especially. But I was going to say, I wonder if their fan base just isn't mostly in China. It could be. And I mean, Spark, I think, got some immediate love just because they're pink. Yeah. And then they picked up these people, all these people that we know, and then we're doing really well for the first couple weeks of Stage yeah. 1. So the the power of branding helped them a lot. Oh yeah, and the fact that they were the ones to start the new—it's not really a tradition, but the new trend of doing art for upcoming matches to the point where three, four, five other teams have picked up on it, and they—they made a mascot. They make Mm -hmm. adorable art for everything, and we all just sit here and go, "I want to know what the Sparks doing next. Show me the mascot. Show me their little pink seal." And I think they were the first ones to depict Vancouver as Thanos. Uh, well, yeah, I think they were the first ones that did the Attack on Titan. Yeah, I think so, too. But, um, I mean, people laughing at Dallas going, Hey, Dallas, this has been done before. And I'm like, how do you not make Attack on Titan jokes? Mm-hmm. Just because someone else made it doesn't make it any less valid. We're all still getting eaten alive. And you'd think the internet of all places where people endlessly recycle the same fucking joke for everything they see ever... Yeah, but how dare you make a Photoshop of something that uses the same joke as someone else? Ha ha, Attack on Titan. And I'm like, the team is called the Titans. Of course they are. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let it be. Have some fun. Whatever. Anyway, uh, predictions in. We're... (laughs) We would be at 70 predictions made, but we forgot the fucking Valiant match last time. I <laughs> can't believe we forgot so, that. <laughs> uh, I am currently sitting at 53 out of 69 predictions. Nice. Uh, batting average of 0.768. You are close behind with 50 of 69 with nice. a batting average of 0.724. I'm surprised I'm doing that well. I got my lead back. Well, yes. Yeah. We all knew that would happen. Guess I got because my swagger back. That's because I vote with the heart, you dick. True. <laughs> That's because you're smart and I'm heart, and that's how this works. <laughs> All right. Good description of the formula. Yeah, well, you refuse to take on the expert tag, so we. Yeah, because we have any, to do other Because anytime someone does, there's just a queue of people like, oh, well, this is fucking stupid moron, and I'm like, I just don't want to deal with that. We don't have a big enough audience for that. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's just easier for me to admit that I am an enthusiast who studies this closely, but expert is extremely generous. Expert in terms of this podcast. I mean, yeah, by this by this standard, but Yeah, that's the standard that we're working with. Your standard is me. <laughs> we all know where that lies. Yeah. Yeah. What? Whatever. Do the live read. Never. All the time, actually, because I like talking about this. Now, On the Point is sponsored by Fred's BS. Fred's and Spreads by Fred. 
Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred Fred provides... He does that. A plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're LA local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code on the point for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com and coupon code on the point. Fred's BS, treat yourself because you deserve it. Let me just drop it. The fucking scuffed cast today. It's going to punctuate it. Woo! Yes, absolutely treat yourself. Oh my God, spring's coming up. Have some cookies. Have some jam. If you're local, have some pie. My next paycheck is at the end end of the month, and I'm so ready. I know. My God, those cookies are amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's picnic season. It's Mother's Day, you guys. Mother's Day is coming up. Get her some cookies. Get her some brownies. Get her some jam. Get her one of the little Fred sampler boxes Mm -hmm. and show her that you love her. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Up next, uh, roster moves. We only really have one to discuss, but it is Sleepy going over to the Washington Justice. What I have to wonder is, did they not know? Did they not bother telling us? Or was this as last minute as it looked? Because I think Sleepy, he did a twit longer a couple days ago. He got informed of the move like a day a before. A couple, a day or two before. It was not It was very long. a day, which honestly seems to be the standard based on what everyone who's been traded or dropped has kind of said. Woof. Um, well, yeah, if you tell them too far in advance, you start planning a dinner and then uh, the other team backs out. Yeah, funny mm, how that happens. Mm, mm. Also, as the Valiant fan, you shouldn't be throwing that shade. I can throw shade at the management and still like the team. As Fair a enough. Dallas fan, Fair you enough. should know that. I... <laughs> Hey, you you were there for me saying what the fuck is Kai Kai doing? Oh yeah, no, I, I feel like um oh my gosh, I know there's yeah. Those memes where it's like the three hands holding hands in a circle. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's Dallas fans, Houston fans, Valiant fans, and then in the middle, loving the team but questioning the management. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeesh. Um anyway, I feel like this was a really good move for the justice and it affects the um Shock, not at all. Yeah. So there's literally no downside if, like, Washington's like, hey, we'll give you a shit ton of cash for him, and they're just like, all right. Um, Krusty, the coach of the Shock, came out and replied to the initial tweet announcing it and said that they wanted to keep Sleepy on the team, they wanted to have him for a different meta, but it wasn't fair for him not to play. Yeah, so, which you know, I can respect. Yeah, don't keep someone that you're not going to be able to play, whereas he's moving to a team where he will have that opportunity. Yeah. And Sleepy was talking about, yeah, I hadn't scrimmed for like two months, so I was kind of nervous. And he's starting with a justice and did pretty dang well. Yeah, no, he did. He played well. He played up to his usual standard, which is exactly what justice needs, because yeah. going into, like, pretty much coming through stage one, their biggest problem by far was their support line. They didn't seem to be on the same page. You would see double support ultimates used a lot. You'd see support ults used at very questionable timings. Mm-hmm. Um, and Guido, um, formerly of the Soul Dynasty, formerly of Lunatic High, um, he used to be a DPS player. Oh. Which I don't know why that he's been put on the flex support spot and has been playing it. 
Oh my God, they've been pulling someone? a kooky. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah no, well, they yeah. did it like once or twice in like Apex before the Overwatch League fucking existed. Yeah. Um, and then they started doing it with him fairly regularly in Overwatch League Season 1. Um, but he's his stats as Zen are not very impressive. His healing damage and trance healing is lower than most other Zens by a fairly significant margin. And if you looked um, at the stat comparison they did uh, right ahead of the Valiant Justice match... Um, Sleepy beat him in every single metric by a pretty wide margin. Well, yeah, Sleepy is a really, really good Zen. Oh, yeah, he is. And I'm happy that he's getting starting time. And I think he's exactly what Justice needed. Because you now have Ark, really good uh, Lucio player. Uh, He's got a lot of synergy with Jonas. He's just... He's a big upgrade over uh, Fozix. And then they have uh, Sleepy coming in over Guido. Huge statistical upgrade. Yeah. Now Corey isn't the only um, Western player on the starting roster. Yeah, there was some conversation about that, and I can't remember if it was Watchpoint or if it was somewhere else, but mm-hmm. there there was talk about how having Sleepy on the roster forces the shot calling to move from mostly Korean to English, mm-hmm. and therefore Corey isn't hung out to dry quite so often. Yeah. Because Corey is a hell of a playmaker. Oh, he is. Like, he's, he's good. He's kind of the star player on the, the team. Yeah. So now that there's someone that he can communicate with, and now that it's focusing a shift in communications, that should also benefit him, benefit their DPS, benefit their ability to sync as a team. Yeah. So I'm glad that we played them before Sleepy got integrated. (laughs) Because as much as I really want skill parity between the teams, because it'll make everything more interesting, I also really wanted that win for the Valiant. Yeah. (laughs) I can be unbiased and also biased. Allow me my cognitive dissonance. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I think this is a move that's really good for the Justice and will help them improve as the season goes on. Yeah. It's just awesome for them. And I think it's good for Sleepy, too. He had, if you check his Twitter, he did that twit longer. He did a really nice, like, individual goodbyes for everyone on his team. It was really sweet. Sword Art Online is not a top ten Sword Art Online is not a top ten anime. I cackled. He's right, you know. He's absolutely right. It's it's not a bottom ten either, I will give it that. It's pretty But it ain't though. good. Oh, I've seen some bottom ten anime. Uh, That's not even know, close fair to enough. that stuff. <laughs> Remember that dark age in the 90s <laughs> of, like, <laughs> just the absolute dog shit that got brought in and dubbed by people who just clearly had never acted a day in their lives? You say that like it's over. Well, yeah, but it wasn't okay. the norm. <laughs> It's, there's a whole conversation not to be had on this podcast or to be had at the end of this podcast and released later as, I don't know, supplementary material about dubbing in the 90s and the attitude and the business of it versus dubbing in the 2000s and how there are some anime dubs where you can see that the company is in the middle of that shift. And for me, Vandred is one of them because mm. you've got two characters who are functioning under 90s dub rules and literally everyone else is functioning under, hey, maybe this is a story for not children rules. And it's jarring. 
Admittedly, the way that it's written, the two characters that are functioning under 90s dub rules should are, are like transplants from a different series and don't fit the genre and don't fit the world building and shouldn't be there anyway. And I have a lot of feelings about my space pirate lesbians anime. Let's be real. Vandred is worth a watch. Just don't expect it to be the best thing you've ever seen in your life. Just expect it to be good. And the CGI holds mm. up. Speaking of space pirate lesbians, San Francisco Shock. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> the reaction I was hoping for. What? Why do you? Why do you? Want, I feel so bad for our people who listen in headphones. I'm so, I'm not sorry, but I'm also sorry, but I'm not sorry. Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> that's our title. That's our title. Anyway, speaking of space pirate lesbians, the yeah, San no, shock. it is. Um. San Francisco Shock's 20-map winning streak. Haven't dropped the map since the Stage 1 Finals. Um, they, uh, we've got two real big streaks of dominance going on, which is San Francisco Shock's 20-map uh, winning streak and Vancouver tying Boston's all-time 15-match winning streak by beating Boston. Uh, and again, speaking of Space Pirate Lesbians, this is an anime, Overwatch League. I was going to say, yeah. this was one of my favorite tweets about whether or not yeah. Overwatch League is an anime, pointing yeah. out that Vancouver's 15th match win would be against Boston, who held yeah. the record at 15. Yeah. Like, like, Overwatch is an anime. And I'm like, yeah, how else do you explain the rain? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that I feel like both of those are worth pointing out, but I feel it, like yeah. none of those are a surprise. No, it does really show, though, how ridiculously strong these two rosters are. Two teams, a lot of people, us included, rated very highly going into this. Yeah, and I mean, a map-winning streak mm -hmm. is crazy. Yeah. Because they're trying to do, the Shock are trying to do the 7-0 for this season, which mm -hmm. hashtag winnable from the way things have been going and yeah. looking ahead at their other opponents. I need to double-check who their next opponents are because... They're not playing in They're not the playing weekend, in the homestand weekend. They are not. Yeah. But... Uh, Oh, right. My fucking internet's just committing seppuku. Okay, let, just keep talking. I'll pull it up. Um, I feel like it's something that's really just... if Depending on who their opponents are, it is entirely possible they could, like, perfection a stage. I would not be surprised. And that's really... Because the, the 15 match win is super impressive. A 20-map win, mm. not dropping anything against anybody? Because some of those matches, yeah, they're not playing next weekend, are they? No, they are not. Do, we do, need do, to look do, at week do, five. Week five, and just week five, because they're almost done. So they're up against Philadelphia, mm -hmm. which could go either way. Oh, no, they're going to win. No, that. they're going to win that, but I don't know if they're going to drop any maps. And then the Dragons. Both of whom, I think, are capable of taking a map. Yes, uh, so but we not... also thought that the other, well, not necessarily the Spark, because the Spark are improving, but not yeah. necessarily as good as they have been. But some of the other teams that they've played, the fact that they've forrowed everyone so far in this stage yeah. is bonkers. Just bonkers. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, and again, it shows how ridiculously dominant these teams are. 
But man, that'd be a hell of a record to hold if you could like. Oh my god, four o everyone yeah. in a stage. That would be legitimately insane. You don't even have to do it for the finals. Just it's like, yeah, we did the seven o, and we literally never dropped a map. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, try beating that because even Vancouver did, yeah. doesn't have that. No, and Vancouver at this point is our number one rated team. Well, also, Vancouver are lulzy motherfuckers when they've already won. Yeah, that's true. They, or they lose a map one, and then they go, all right. Let's go. Yeah. So. Then they drink their protein shakes and just roll the fuck over everyone in their path. Bumper does what Bumper wants. Yes. Um, All right. Up next, developer update. The workshop. It dropped, I want to say today. Yesterday. Yesterday? I think so. I One of the two. Yeah, it dropped very recently. Because Tuesday's patch day, isn't it? I think so. I, I'm... Fairly certain. I don't know. Well, Tuesday is patch day, yes, but I didn't think the announcement dropped until today. Yeah. Because of where it was in my YouTube subscriptions. Anyway, we're recording this on Wednesday the 24th. We're a day late because life is life. Um, yeah, but it's basically, they keep calling it a power user feature, which yeah. is basically, you probably should know what you're doing in terms of programming and maybe a little game design in order mm-hmm. to heck around with this. Because if you are completely unfamiliar with programming, it's probably going to be Greek to you. Yeah. That said, it's it's a tool where you can create your own modes, you can modify characters, you can mod- you can basically open up the code of Overwatch and make changes. You can open up existing modes and see why they work the way they do. You can open up characters and mm-hmm. see why they work the way they do and how. Um, evidently, it comes with a native debugger called the Workshop Inspector, which, if you break something, it'll tell you what's broken and why, which I, is pretty great. I really wish, though, that they had just called it the Foreman, <laughs> because it's the Workshop. Yeah, I think that's a pun that a lot of people would miss. They've got they've got a couple modes in there to play with already. It's I think Jeff called it the Floor is Fire, and I'm like, no, it's the Floor is Lava. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. So in the notes, it says the Floor is Lava. But if you touch the floor, you set on fire. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good aerial character map. Um, yeah. He mentioned people trying to make hide-and-seek in mm-hmm. normal gameplay, and so this I would be some place where you could make it. hide-and-seek on them. And then evidently, they've also set up what they're calling Mirror Deathmatch, which, for a minute... Everyone is on the same character. Mm-hmm. So it's not the complete randomizer that death matches. It's yeah. pretty evenly. Yeah, it's pretty even. Yeah, and I dig it. I and would love to see everyone on Mercy for a minute. Just yeah. battle Mercy it up. Well, the, the thing that I love about this is that there are so many ways that you can use this to make tools to improve as a player. Yeah. The, um, like with a lot of other game types, you'll find people using whatever, like, map builder to make training modes. Like, and you'll even see this in Overwatch to a certain extent, because, like, one thing you'll see happen is, um, if you watch, like, OG or Fraggy's stream, they've both done this, um, where they'll have, like, AI on, like, expert difficulty crank down damage received and turn up um, ult and just practice on a bunch of, like, extremes and yadas just using your primal and just juggling people off the map and that's a tool that people have used um and so you'll have games like uh kovacs aim trainer or uh aim hero that people will use to practice but this gives you like a way to do it inside of overwatch yeah and it's just whenever people get to get creative they come up with fucking weird awesome shit oh yeah 
And I, the, the way that I looked at this is, because I know a couple people that are into game design, this is a godsend for game design, like students and interns and whatnot, people who are working on this and now have a way to apply it in a AAA game that they might already be familiar with. Yeah, and I'm 100% about that in every fucking level I can be. Because I can see, because I... I Recently come from a background in education. I worked in education for a chunk of time. And we used Minecraft for education. Yeah. And we had one specific teacher who used it in incredibly creative ways. But Minecraft leaned super hard into that and actually has Minecraft for education as a thing. But it was, here's all these high school freshmen creating mm -hmm. Vesuvius, creating Pompeii in their classes and they had yeah. to make houses and you know recreate the style of the time and then give little tours about them and it was you know latin class so they're learning yeah. all sorts of stuff and then the seniors would come in and blow vesuvius and the freshmen had no idea it was coming so That's it's awesome oh it was hysterical to watch because they had to awesome. record their little tours while they were in class and mm. then this started happening so it started off as a school assignment and ended in just this beautiful reaction compilation so i need to see that Oh my god, they're hysterical. They're so much fun. So that is that project, and that's using a video game that they already know how to play, that they already enjoy, for an educational purpose. Yeah. And I would love to see Overwatch lean into this for game design courses, for game design yeah. degrees. Like, hey, we've made this available. It's not the full game itself. It's this specific section of the PTR meant for education. But hey, go nuts. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen to yeah. some extent. Yeah. So. So I, I I like that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, no, this is just a really cool thing that I want to play around with when I get the chance. And the two best Overwatch League reactions I've seen to this. I can't remember which team posted this one, but it was, so can we make Ryan Wall climb now? And then the other one that I saw was San Francisco Shock on Instagram. Uh, delete Brigitte. Yes, oh, no. Oh, it was on Twitter <laughs> and then, as well. Are we doing this right? I'm yeah. like, God damn it. Well, it was on Twitter. And the best thing is Matilda Smedius, the voice actress for Brigitte, responds, big oof. And <laughs> yeah. Shock goes, hey, Matilda, we like we love Brigitte as a character. We're just not a fan of the stunned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she Matilda gets a lot of hate that she doesn't deserve. She doesn't deserve Like, people all. are just an she's ass a, because they don't like... She's an adorable human she's being. She's a sweetie. She is. Have you seen the pictures of her with Darren? Yes. Like, every time they get together to hang out, it's the cutest thing ever. It and is. I'm just like, yes, I love all of this. She's a lovely human being, and you all should go inform her of such. Yes. Because she is, and we want to drown out the idiots who don't understand that there is a line between in-character and out-of-character, yeah. and that Matilda was not responsible for any of Brigitte's build, she, just yeah. the voice. And that's something... It, it's it's Skylar White syndrome, where the actress who played Skylar White oh, yeah. got a lot of in-person shit for things the character did, and it's like, I have no control over that. People gave me scripts. I'm playing a part. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, yeah. Lena Headey gets that all the time for playing Cersei. Like, people would Jack go... Jack Gleason got it for fucking being Joffrey, oh, too. Oh, yeah. He quit acting. Yeah. But people would go to signings and have the actors sign their books, and they'd try to skip over her, and she'd grab it and sign it anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, I love you. You're so nice. I love you. Mm -hmm. But you, you gotta understand that they're they're helping tell a story. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't get mad at them for doing their job. They can, They're bringing yeah. these villains and these complex characters, and in Brigitte's case, a wonderful paladin that I adore. Yes. So hush, she's wonderful. They're bringing them to life as part of the story, and they're doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Would Game of Thrones be nearly as much fun without Cersei? No. Nope. No. It's a crazy political drama, and it's super fun to watch, even when it hurts. And you don't get that without a good, solid antagonist. Mm-hmm. So, like, hating on people going, how dare you play this character? Um, you... Mm-hmm. It's, uh... Motherfuckers chill. Anyway. Don't be stupid and tell people you love them. Yes. Anyway, now that we've got our obligatory fandom fucking calm down moment. <laughs> uh, I feel, I yeah, I, I feel like that's a given. It's become a pattern. In this. Yeah. Um, Except we're, we're only yelling at a small part of Overwatch yeah. fandom. Yeah. <laughs> Which is um, good. Most of y'all are great. I don't think we tell you that enough. We like you guys. We do. Anyway, Storm Rising, you got a chance to play it finally. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I did. I appreciate you not giving me any preconceived notions. I tried to be diplomatic over this. About it, yeah. You succeeded. Um, it ain't great. <laughs> this it, ain't um, it, Chief. <laughs> it's it's. I don't dislike what we have, but it's really threadbare. It's it really, really threadbare. And I believe at one point Jeff did a live stream, and I haven't watched that yet, and I should, where he mentions that they had a year to put Retribution together and six months to put Storm Rising together. Yeah. But, like, this Chase the Truth tagline goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. We don't discover anything. And then I I actually, I write articles for fanversation.com, and I wrote a review for this, and one of the things that I put in there was talking about the stinger with this mysterious Omnic we've never met before. And I wrote, you're not allowed, you can't make us fall in love with a new Omnic until you give Zenyatta lore. That's the rules. <laughs> like, I got salty. Yeah. But it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's just not anywhere near what a lot of people were hoping. It's not up to Blizzard's standard. Yeah. And that's part of the issue. Because we have, Uprising was brand new. Yeah. We were all like, oh my god, what is this? We can play it. Like, this is amazing. And the big complaint was just the loot drops being bullshit. Well, yeah, but the loot drops are always bullshit. Like, w- worse than most. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, fuck this loot box. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Retribution gave us a completely different style of gameplay, brand new mm-hmm. enemies. I had no idea that an entirely DPS team could even function. But it works with this event because of how it goes. Yeah. And then Storm Rising, it makes in-character story sense to reuse the enemies, but you also nerf the heavies. You want a little more variety. Yeah, it didn't... And part of what Retribution did was when it introduced new enemies, when the heavy drops, when the first assassin shows up, when the they first get the sniper... Little you get the little cutscene in there. You have this moment of... You just have a short, dramatic break of... Oh shit, who's this? It's a mini boss. We need to take care of yeah. it. Or as for this, oh hey, there's a heavy. Ta da. There's nothing new to introduce. There's nothing dramatic. There's nothing within the gameplay that really stands out. Mm-hmm. And I think their biggest missed opportunity is they should have had Talon Armored Batiste in this. Yeah. In much the same way that we had um, in Uprising, we had Orisa and Bastion. And had to fight against the the full models of those, yeah. and that was horrifying. Great, but horrifying. Why well, could we not bring in like a medic character 
for Talon. Yeah. Because we know that Batiste existed. You just take it, you reskin it in the armor, and suddenly you have a medic character, an immortality field to deal mm. with, and that damage matrix, and that ups the difficulty and makes it more interesting it gives, yeah, without it being artificial inflation. Yeah, it's genuine variation that I think would add a lot. So I, I think it was a real missed opportunity. I love yeah. the cinematics. I thought they were well written. I thought they were well acted. I thought Maximilian was the perfect gangster accountant slime ball. He was fantastic. I, I love that. I wish when Winston was jumping off and using Primal Rage to attack the convoy that he landed on a car. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. yeah. Stay on the payload, Winston. But I feel like for what we played through, that this was the preamble to something else. I, I've described it as it feels like the cold opening to a tv episode it feels like we should have been we should have watched this and then played through capturing doomfist which i know isn't gonna happen because we Mm -hmm. already saw that happen in that amazing animated short like holy shit yeah but this feels like we played through the preamble to something it would have been like if in retribution we played through the stealth mission to get to the guy, well, instead of watching the bare bones of that happen, and then the playing being the mad dash to get out of Dodge. You know, you know what it felt like? It felt like the opening scene to the first Avengers, the the scene in the S.H.I.E.L.D. lab with the fucking Tesseract, and Mercy's little slow zoom in. I just expected the fury, we are at war. Dun, 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 dun. Just title card pops up, and then the thing starts. You know, Endgame drops in two days and we're all going to die. Uh, yeah, I got, no, it drops, well, I'm going tomorrow. Yeah, you're going tomorrow. I'm going Friday. Yeah. Because I need to actually sleep at night. Um, yeah. I don't so sleep at night anyway. As, as far as I'm concerned, Storm Rising is kind of the video game embodiment of that gif of Kevin Sorbo as Hercules screaming disappointed into the void. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining in its own right, but... It is not up to Blizzard standards. Yeah. Which is really sad because they've set such a high standard for these events. And it's not like there's nothing in it that's broken. There's nothing in it that's unplayable. They've made a solid event. They've made a solid gameplay mode. It's just in terms of what we're actually doing in it, it's like, you know, I usually play on normal and hard as a challenge. Maybe I'll just run the sucker on hard and see how it goes. Yeah, it's a little bit underfed. It is. Anyway. It is. But I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. can't keep it up forever. No. And no. I think that Blizzard is, I think that Blizzard has definitely heard the feedback, and I hope that none of it was too vitriolic. It's the fucking internet. It is going to be. Yeah, but. Uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure that that's things they will take into account sp- for next year's. Speaking of cool shit, though. Speaking of cool shit. Dallas Homestand. We're getting our yeah. first, uh, in a few days, we are getting our first games uh, played in a team's home venue. We are getting a taste of what the big overarching plan for the league from day one was. This should be interesting. I'm very excited to see it. They've sold out a fucking 4,500 seat venue. See, and what I'm wondering about for this is they've sold out that venue and they sold out, um, when they did it at Barclays, they sold out yeah. Barclays. I wonder if it isn't the rarity that makes this happen. Because when it's here every week for Blizzard Arena, they have trouble filling the arena every day, depending on who's playing. Well, here's the thing. It's here every day. Yeah. Whereas later on, teams will be playing in their home venues. They'll be traveling around a bunch. 
So you might have one or two days a stage. Well, one or two, like, sets of games played at a venue each, you know, each given week of play in Season 3. True. Think of it like a like a baseball team. You'll have away stretches, and every team will have that. And so no one's going to be having games played in their venue every single day. True. It naturally builds in a little more of that scarcity that I think will help keep people from getting too fatigued. I'm just wondering, I don't know if we're going to be able to sell out a 45,000 person seat. 4,500. 4,500. A lot of people. I'm good at numbers. I don't know that we're going to be able to sell out a 4,500 person arena every time. I don't think you will every time, but you just need to get enough butts and seats. Ah, this is true. But again, here and in Barclays, they were repurposing Mm. it. And as well, when the uh, Valiant hosts the LA one, they're going to be doing it at LA Live. Yeah. But we have Philadelphia that's built an esports arena for the fusion and so again i i just have to wonder like the investment versus Mm -hmm. how many people do you really think you're gonna get how well is your team doing which sadly has a lot to do with it that's true and like i will say i feel like it's gonna be difficult for teams like for example the florida mayhem who have a relatively small fan base yeah but the thing they also have anthony yeah (laughs) the uh but my my point is I think season three is going to be very good for this model because it's the first time people are going to be able to go to see their teams play with any kind of regularity without either a spending a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Those Dallas prices were, well, I'm just saying without spending a fuck ton of money to get to LA and buy tickets and like lodging and whatever and watch shit. This is also true. uh, Yeah. Without spending a fuck ton of money or living in LA. Yeah. This is the first time uh, in this upcoming season that you're going to get to see your team in their city with something res- with, with relative frequency. And I wonder if this isn't a testing ground for how it's going to be. Oh, it is. This is year. absolutely a trial run for production, for getting the teams, you know, located and moving and all that. So it's going to be... This is very much a dry run, but a lot is going into it, so I'm very excited to see what happens. Yeah. Especially because we're going to have a big crowd, a lot of whom have not gotten to be there in person for this stuff before. Oh, yeah. And I know people who, I know local people who are traveling to Dallas, like, nope, my team's playing, I'm going. Yeah. If I had the money, I'd be fucking doing it. Oh, Dallas. Um, whatever. It's my team. Uh, oh, I'm not talking more like Dallas, city. the city. I, I know. I'm saying I will put up with. <laughs> Been Dallas. there, done that. Okay. I'll put up with. I'll put up with it. You'll put up with Dallas to see Dallas. Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, we we will have eight games being played on Saturday and Sunday. Might as well have the short weekend during the travel weekend. Yeah, and this might be kind of the norm going forward too, which would kind of take some of the pressure off of teams traveling because, like, a big concern about you know, the the franchise and traveling and playing home and away games model is that Overwatch League schedules are already very demanding. Yes. Uh, and then add on travel. Which will wreck you. Especially oh, yeah. if, hey, we're going to go play a game in Guangzhou. Yeah. We're going to China. Yeah. So it's not like traveling with a football team where... You know, you, mm. you go a couple hours out of your time well, zone, and the, maybe you go to bed earlier. It's fine. It's you're halfway across the world. Yeah, and like that's not even getting into the logistics of 
getting players routinely into other countries. Getting the travel visas, getting the, getting the vaccinations, yeah. getting all of that crazy stuff. Yeah. But that is a question for another day. What we have right now, though, are our predictions yes. for the Dallas homestand games. First off, Paris Eternal versus London Spitfire. London. London. Hangzhou Spark versus Chengdu Hunters. Ooh, see, this is an interesting one. Now it that is. the Spark is getting better and the Hunters are a little more predictable. Yeah. Well, they were predictable to begin with. It's just a matter of, could you? did you know what to do about it? I think I'm going to come down on the side of the Hunters here. Because while the mm-hmm. Spark are getting better, I still don't know that they are able to handle that level of chaos. It's true, I kind of... I'm feeling the spark, though. I, I couldn't... Would like, I would like for the spark to win, but I'm mm. thinking just given track records and given that they are still on a steady upward slope and given that Chengdu is just like flip the table and run. Eh, I'm going to go with yeah. the pandas. Chung... Let's go with the murder pandas. Chengdu, I feel like, has a better chance, but I've got a gut feeling about this. Mm. I'm, f- I'm feeling spark right now. Mm. And here's the thing, though, because I've admitted... That, Chung, that Chengdu has, has in my mind, the better chance of winning, uh, I can give myself a point five on the predictions. No, you can't. It's my fucking scoring system it's and my rules. How, how come I never get that, then? Because you're not making the rules. Well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Well, fuck you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Say you want to retroactively go back and give me a point every time. I'm like, well, this team's probably going to win, but I'm voting for the Valiant mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. At that point, I would have a better record than you. Yeah, although there are a couple times where I've done it. it would, it, you would definitely be picking up a lot of points. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, you want to play that game? I wasn't planning on <laughs> it. It was, it, was, it was humorous. I it know. Was, it was easy. I know. I know. Up next, Houston Outlaws versus Soul Dynasty. It's going to be Soul. It's going to be Soul. It's going to be Soul. Uh. I have no faith in Houston to win at this point. Ouch. It's mean, but I'm being completely honest and I'm not trying to be toxic or anything about it. Oh yeah, ouch doesn't mean not, I'm offended. Yeah. It's just, woo, that hurt me where I live. They have, they just haven't given me a reason to. Yeah. Um, next, Valiant versus Fuel. I am picking Fuel on this. I will pick the Valiant. Up next, Hangzhou Spark versus Paris Eternal. Ooh, that's another. You know what? That's another spark. It's all. It's yeah. going to depend on what Spark brings and what Paris brings. Yeah. Honestly, these two teams, in terms of their performance, are so near each other right now that it's hard to call. Yeah, they both have similar levels of like, okay, we're good at this, but we're struggling with this. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm also going to give it to the Spark. Because I feel like they've got the ability to flex to the more DPS-heavy comps with a little more ease than Paris has. Dual spark predictions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chengdu Hunters versus London Spitfire. Uh, London. I was going to say, flip a coin. It depends on which London comes to play. They've been good enough consistently enough that I feel fairly safe with them. They have. Yep. Let's do London. Soul Dynasty versus Los Angeles Valiant. God, I hate to say it, but probably Soul. Yeah, it's, I would be very surprised if Valiant won that. And then finally, the Texas Showdown. Dallas. Dallas Just versus Dallas. Houston. Given and Houston's track record, I, I would love to see them flip a table yeah. on Dallas. I super would. I would not. I want to see them win, but I don't want them to win now. <laughs> 
Um, you want to see them beat Soul. Yes. See, and here's... <laughs> what's killing me here is that we've got eight teams. We kind of mix it up a little bit. We've yeah. got eight teams that are... Six of them are at a relative tier together. Yeah. And then you've got the Outlaws and the Valiant. But you're not having the Outlaws and the Valiant play each other, which might be a closer match. I wouldn't put the Outlaws and the Valiant on the same level anymore. No, we've gotten that much better, huh? Partially. Eh, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) No, they have performed a lot better, but it's more damning of Houston than Valiant. I know. I'm aware. This is two of my teams, two of my five teams we're talking about here. Mm. Like, I know. I know. <laughs> but here we are. It's going to be a rough weekend for me either way. A little bit. And the games start bit. at 9.30 a.m. Pacific. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm going to go see Infinity War at 9.30 at night, get back home at 1, and then... You mean Endgame? I'm that traumatized. Uh, (laughs) You know, I didn't get... I have not been nervous about Endgame at all. And then last night, I watched Mother's Basement's um, review of Infinity War and talk about, you know, Thanos being the main character and whatnot and just break down the analytical structure. And that's when I got nervous. Not even, like, the the film theory about who's going to survive and who doesn't. That Mm. was just like, eh, it's it's film theory. They do what they want. Yeah. But rewatching a Mother's Basement video from almost a year ago, that's what made me go, oh, God, Endgame is coming. We've got the Battle of Winterfell and Endgame the same weekend the best joke that i've seen on twitter was a overheard in the writer's room bit is uh talking about game of thrones so what stark do you think is gonna die and the person goes tony oh god Endgame is this week yeah i saw that i I saw that it's yeah it's uh it's gonna be a rough weekend for like everyone who is into either of those franchises and god help those of us who are into both yeah Stay off Twitter, everyone. Yeah. Stay off Twitter. Stay off Twitter. And if you are on social media and you've seen either of the things, or if you're in public, be nice. Someone Don't had discuss the... things. Don't say things. Like, just... I was about to, about to bring up the, the Matt Key. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone who got to see a press screening of uh, Endgame discussing it loudly in a restaurant. Like, don't do that. Loud, do spoiler-heavy conversation in a fucking Paquito Mas. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. So, so that's your... Um, be kind. Especially be kind to your movie theater employees because there are going to be some AMC theaters that are open for literally four days straight. So yeah. be kind to the people working the graveyard shift because they probably don't usually. And also, whatever problems you're having are probably not their fault. And also, don't talk spoilers when you come out of the movie because even though you've just seen it, there are people waiting in line who haven't and there are people working at these movie theaters who probably won't get a chance to see it till midweek next Save week. Save it till you've hopped in your fucking car. Yeah, save it till you get home. Save it for the internet with heavy spoiler tags or indirect messages with people after you've confirmed that they've also seen the movie. Like, it's been 10 years of Marvel, you guys. And how many years of Game of Thrones? We skipped a year and they're like seven? Um, 
Because this is season... No, this is season eight. This is season eight, and the show it's originally dropped nine. in 2010. Yeah. So it's been nine years of Game of Thrones and ten years of Marvel. Holy shit, what is life? And uh, they're all culminating... Well, Game of Thrones isn't completely culminating this weekend, but it's a massive battle. And the first phase of Marvel is culminating this weekend. So, yeah. guys, be nice. Don't say spoilers in public. Be, be, be kind to your fellow people. Don't be an asshole. Yep. We believe in you. We believe in you. Don't disappoint us. Off topic, but relevant. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm so excited for the Dallas Homestead stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very eventful weekend. It's going to be emotionally painful for me no matter what happens. And I have to record audiobook stuff all weekend, too. And that is why you set it up on another screen and put it on mute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't record during the day anyway because of... Fucking, fucking... planes! Yes. <laughs> I have to show you the video I was referencing. So then you're fine. Yeah. So then you're fine. Alrighty, well, let's wrap this then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on social media at the underscore rage underscore nerd on Twitter. Uh, I'm actually doing a thing right now um, where I am working with uh, Crit Snacks because I'm a big Critical Role fan. Um, and during the uh, sort of uh, end of Kickstarter campaign party they were doing, uh, they were uh, a friend of Joel uh, Hodgson from Mystery Science Theater, his DM was going to be making mead for them, and it got destroyed in the mail. Aww. And he made sort of a half-joking call to action for critters to make mead. And um, I homebrew mead, so I'm doing it. All um, right. We have a poll going on for the next couple days of uh, picking the last of the four flavors that we're going to be making. Uh, so go and cast your vote on that if you like crit roll. Uh, I am also a uh, main tank player for Mercury Cougars on Overwatch Pretenders. We're in the off-season now, but later this month we will be uh, resuming play. So, Are you still recruiting for your academy team, or is that over? Um, I think we're still trying people out. So if you are a member of the Overwatch Pretenders, or if you're an Overwatch player in the gold to plat range, um, feel free to come and try out for Mercury Cougars Academy. Do it. It'll be fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I also do many, many Rooster Teeth podcasts. You can find them all at anchor.fm slash the rooster team, team with an M. Right now it is RVB Recall where we go episode by episode of this season of Red vs. Blue and talk about things that happen. So for those of you who are familiar with my after shows, that's that's what we're doing. Same crew, same... Same fun discussion, just mm -hmm. slightly different medium there. Uh, you can follow On The Point on Twitter at On The Point Pod. We're going to try and be a little better about live tweeting games when we're not yeah. busy is anything, dear God. So there is that. Also, this podcast is now available on iTunes. Yes. On Apple po Well, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, mm -hmm. that thing. It's available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Google Play. I think it might be on Spotify. I need to double check that one. And it's also on anchor.fm slash on the point. So if you prefer it in audio version, there is def and not like YouTube version, mm -hmm. there is definitely a way to do that now. And that should all be up to date soon, hopefully. I have been running into technical difficulties left, right, and center, but once I manage to overcome those, I will be victorious and all episodes will be up. And it will be 
great. Hell yeah. If you want to support us, you can do it on anchor.fm slash on the point. You can also support our sponsor because supporting our sponsor supports us. So head over to fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com and use coupon code on the point for 20% off of your order. Seriously, get your mom some Mother's Day treats. Do it. It'll be great. Or if you don't want to, do it for you because mm-hmm. you deserve good things. So get them for yourself. Yeah. Enjoy Dallas, y'all. We good? Yeehaw. Let's see nine.